Julianne was both a fitness instructor and the wife of a Hollywood producer. But neither exercise nor a fast-paced L.A. lifestyle could keep her from the fear that took root in her life at childhood. This fear eventually took the form of fibromyalgia, an incurable disease that causes widespread muscle pain, fatigue, and mood swings. This is the healing journey of Julianne Hartman. There was so much pain in my body, and it came out of nowhere. I started with a lot of lower back pain. I started with pain in my legs, pain in my hands, and then it felt like I had the flu 24-7. We were church-going people. We knew that Jesus Christ promised healing. We knew that uh, healing was ours, that kind of thing. But there was such an emergency atmosphere around it. The first thing was we have to go to the doctor. They said I had lupus. They said I had fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia just doesn't come on you. It comes from a lot of years of a lot of emotional abuse on yourself. I chose exercise to rid me of anxiety and fear. That's why I kept a job and classes and dancing and all this stuff and working out till two in the morning that I wouldn't have time to feel fear or anxiety or anything. So I just kept running faster and faster and faster. The older I got, the faster I would run. I was used to working out five, six hours a day, six days a week. When I started not feeling well, I couldn't do any of that. So it was really shortly after she stopped, I started noticing a huge change. The word despair is a word I would use. There was like a despair that came around her, and I don't know where that came from. In the mornings, he would leave me as my head would be in my hands, and I'd just be crying. And then he would come home, and he would find me in the same position. I thought I was losing my daughter. And um, it was just, it was hard. I was an actress, so I was good at acting. And when the girls would get home from school, I'd say, okay, what'd you do today? Like, tell me about your day. I don't think I heard any of it. Because I was in so much pain, and I was feeling so sick. And then the fear always, because I wasn't feeling good, and I was like, God, I hope I can make it through this day kind of thing. My day planner was filled with doctor appointments. $300,000 on alternative doctors, holistic doctors. They just kept saying, we don't know what to do. Here, take this pill. Here, take this. This went on for three years. Meanwhile, I was going to every healing line that I could. I would say, God, why am I not getting healed? What is wrong? Why are you not healing me? Why? What I do? What do I need to do to get healed? I don't understand. The healing wasn't coming. The medicine, whatever she would take, wasn't working. She was crying every day. And she said, I think you should leave me. Had I not had Christ in my life, I probably would have left. But I know that perfect love casts out fear. He said, I made a commitment to you, and I will never leave you. Whatever we needed to do, wherever she needed to go, whatever we needed to pray, when you've done all to stand, we had to stand. Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on... So I was home a lot, and I would leave the TV on. And it would constantly play every ministry possible. Well, this man came on, and he was really boring. And I don't know what the teaching was, but it was him saying that there was a man that had Parkinson's. And so Andrew says, so I say to him, just tell your hand to stop shaking. And he said, okay. So he said, hand, stop shaking. And it did. So I'm watching this going with my remote control ready to turn him off. What? 
But there was something about it, though, that was really, like, just caught me. I went online, and I started looking at the website. Well, what is this guy about? Like, who is he? And that was it. I watched her as she watched every Andrew episode. She downloaded everything online she could get. Those healing journeys were amazing. I watched them over and over. I watched Nikki's probably 50 times. All the symptoms that she had of being sensitive to cleaning solutions, hair products, lotions, perfumes. I couldn't be around anything that had a smell. She was the same way. And to watch that girl sit in a bedroom at the end that was painted was like a miracle. God wants you well. We've already dealt with the fact that healing is a part of Christ's atonement, which means that it's not optional. When I listen to God wants you well, I'm like, wait a minute, and you've already got it? I'm like, wait, this isn't God holding out on me. This is me not receiving what God already did for me. There was a two-week period where I was like, that's it. I am not moving out of this house. I'm canceling everything, and I'm just going to listen from the time my kids go to school till the time I've got to go pick them up. And I would sit on my kitchen table from 8 till 2.30 and just listen over and over and over. For two weeks, I did that. I started walking through my hallways. And I'm telling you, if my dogs could talk what they witnessed, I walked through those hallways going, in the name of Jesus, stop being numb. Numbness, you are dead. You get out of my body now in the name of Jesus. Get out of my body. Pain, back pain, get out of my body. Whatever it was, headache, you know, brain. You are a perfect brain. God gave me a perfect brain. You need to function the way you were made. I don't care what's been spoken over me, what anybody told me, what anybody said I had. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke all of that. And body, you come back to life now. And I just kept doing that over and over. And I'd walk through my house. Then I'd go back to all the scriptures that I wrote down where Andrew had walked me through. It's funny, when you live with something for so long and you're so used to seeing it, you don't really notice when it starts to change until you like realize like one day, hey, she's not complaining about her knees anymore. And then I'd say, hey, she's crying a lot less. Was that a smile on her face? There was a smile there. She would laugh. I hadn't heard her laugh in probably years. And I, when you hear your wife laugh after so long, that is just the most amazing thing. What I always say is like, it was a progressive healing, but the only reason why it was progressive is because I made it progressive. You know, if you can't trust your father, how are you gonna trust a God that you can't see? It was my dad, I just couldn't trust him. And I think that that's kind of where it all stemmed from. It wasn't just the healing on the outside. It was teaching me about who I was in Christ. And that was the missing link. It was a bit of a journey, but at the end of the journey, my daughter was back. And amen. Today, Chicago Karis Bible College graduate Nicole Marbach is touching broken and hurting people with the good news of God's love and grace. Her powerful ministry has arisen from her own tragic story. For years, she engaged in cutting herself because of the deep emotional scars still bound to her from a childhood full of abuse and trauma. Repeatedly confined to mental hospitals, suffering an incurable diagnosis of severe bipolar disorder with PTSD. This is her healing journey. 
After we had our three children, I started having flashbacks of sexual abuse, having um, step-parents that I didn't feel um, really liked me as a kid was very difficult. I was just looking for attention. I was looking to feel loved and I felt like I needed to punish myself. And that's why I started self-injuring. It was almost like harming myself was a release from that. And it was easier for me to feel the physical pain than the emotional pain I was feeling. Coming from not really understanding what was going on, uh, not really knowing what to do, trying to protect the best I could, her and the kids and myself. My oldest daughter, when she was the age I was, um, being sexually abused, that just came back as flashbacks. And the only way to cope was to drink alcohol. And so I became so dependent on it that I started hiding it in the house and not letting my husband know. Even though I was a believer, going to church, going to Bible studies, doing all of this, I felt like there was no way out. I think I was a bit like a robot, just going through the motion of the day, uh, seeing what I could do for the kids, just going to work. For me personally, I mean, the, the pain was, you know, unbearable. I was going through alcohol withdrawal and shaking. I had tremors. I relapsed after relapse after relapse after relapse on alcohol. And I felt so much shame and guilt of just being um, a mentally ill mother with addictions because I wanted my kids to have a better life than I had. And I always wanted to try to find a way to fix it and try to solve the problems for her and try to mitigate things and I could never do that. Strongholds came in of, you know, there's something wrong with you. Nobody wants you. Nobody loves you. I took a butcher knife in the kitchen and just started cutting my legs and started cutting my body. And I um, ended up being admitted to the psych ward for the first time at that moment. I thought maybe the combination of medication and outside support through Christian counseling would be what was needed. But after years of kind of trying this, it never really worked, at least not you know, sustainably. And I would even carry razor blades and pills in my purse just in case I wanted to commit suicide somewhere. I would drive to different restaurants far away so that I wouldn't run into anybody and I would write goodbye letters. And what, what would happen if? And I need to be a single parent. What kind of care would I need and how would I raise them? And you know, what, who is going to supplement what they need from a mom? I mean, this was in my mind at one point. I was self-injuring um, my, my wrist and I was watching the blood flow. I knew that I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, you don't have to do that anymore because my son shed his blood for you. And I just remember I started weeping. I thought I had to get all the sin out of my life before God would want relationship with me or that he would love me. And here he was pursuing me with his love. And he was trying to tell me, my son took the punishment for all sin. He took your punishment at the cross. You are loved, you are forgiven, you are righteous. But I just didn't know how to be well. 
I went to the psychiatrist and took all kinds of tests. And basically, they said that you are a classic bipolar case. Now, this is something that I had to live with for the rest of my life, I thought, because I was told it was incurable and all they could do was manage it with medication. Where you have either high intensity of activity or hyper joy or you know, being super active in the house. So painting, uh, repainting and, and, and changing furniture. And then you would have moments which were the opposite in complete low of not really interested in anything, uh, kind of closing back. According to the World Health Organization, Bipolar disorder has become the sixth leading cause of disability in the world. As many as one in five patients with this diagnosis commit suicide. Approximately two million cases of cutting behavior are reported each year in the U.S. Many more go unreported. After years of torment and relapses and psych wards, I was invited to go to a Christian recovery meeting and... I had told her no a couple of times, but I met a couple of women at this uh, meeting and they were leaders there. And one of the leaders I was corresponding with at the time and I told her all of my diagnoses. Um, we were writing emails at the time and she wrote to me, with God all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with him. Am I going to believe the word of God that says I'm healed, or am I going to believe what the doctors say, that they say this is incurable and I need to be on medication for the rest of my life. And I got a revelation at that point that as a child of God, I don't have to take this anymore. I am healed and I can use my authority. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus said he has given us all authority over all the power of the enemy. I no longer cut myself. I no longer drank and got drunk. I no longer, um, you know, had that suicidal thinking. When she stopped taking the medication was, you know, a bit of a concern, but I, I was hanging for the hope and the understanding that she, you know, heard from God and was on the right path. People at my church, they, they saw me and they came up to me, people that didn't know me, and they were like, what happened to you? Because they used to see me in shame, walking with my head down, like in bondage. I just had a peace. I had a supernatural peace. I had regularly gone to see my psychiatrist and he told me he doesn't know of anybody who's ever been healed of bipolar disorder. My identity went from all of these labels to child of God, and I have never spoken those labels over my life ever since that day. I knew that I knew that I knew that I was healed, and no one could take that away from me. Healing is the children's bread, is what Jesus said. It belongs to you. It's already accomplished. It's not based on your holiness, on your goodness, whether you fasted and prayed and done all of the right things. It's already on the inside of you. The only thing you got to do to release it is renew this mind. I knew there was more. I knew that I needed a deeper foundation in Christ. I knew that I needed a deeper foundation in the Word of God and was introduced to Andrew Womack and uh, started listening to him and uh, loved 
his books, uh, the war is over, you've already got it. And then somebody invited me to a Karis Bible College meeting because a satellite school was opening up uh, in my area. I am learning how to speak blessings over my life instead of curses and death. We are overcomers in Christ. We are no longer victims. Karis is not only helping me uh, personally and my family become a better mother, better wife, it's helping the brokenhearted out there see that Jesus set the captives free and I am one of them. Thank you, Jesus. The truth of God's word that I'm getting from Karis has gone into my books, my materials, and also wherever I speak. I love to go into the places where there are really broken, wounded people and tell them how much God loves you and how much God accepts you, how forgiven you are. Karis Bible College has, um, has grounded Nicole in, in so many different ways. She's really um, at peace and really enjoying meeting people where they are. She always comes really encouraged from you know the, the classes. I just couldn't get enough of the word. Going to Karis has changed my life. It has just um, increased my healing by showing me who I am in Christ and um, understanding that we already have everything in us through Jesus Christ. I think she has such a thirst for learning more and sharing that. Um, she's full of joy and she's just a, incredibly filled with love and happiness. Andrew is on first thing in the morning and I just get my coffee and I'm in front of the TV. I love that he is just so bold with the truth that I need to hear that. And he is such an inspiration of how we are called to live. We have restored a lot of the happiness, uh, a lot of the um, you know, fun things that we can do together. I am a stay-at-home mom. I'm a, a minister. We, I think, all have now the, the right direction in, in fulfilling what we've been called to do. We are overcomers in Christ. We are no longer victims. Negative things come against us, and we have a choice of what we can do. We can dwell on those thoughts and have negative feelings, or we can focus on the truth of God's Word and be filled with joy and walk in our identities in Christ and who we really are in the Spirit. And, and I think what's amazing is how things are being multiplied. This is what I always think of in how much our story now is touching more and more people in helping them through their journey and they will do the same thing and it will continue on. And my husband bought me a license plate that says hope as a Christmas gift one year because that's our story that we want to get out to people. There's more than hope in Jesus Christ. There is victory in Jesus Christ. The story begins with Trina taking on herself the burden of healing her best friend, Linda. In her search for teachers who emphasized the finished work of Jesus, she came across Andrew Womack. When we heard that Andrew Womack had come over to, to Scotland to speak in one of the churches in Glasgow, I had never heard of him. I had no idea who he was. I was told that he had a, a healing ministry. And I thought, right, that's enough. I went with my friend and my niece. Linda was too sick to come. She was in hospital at the time. And we went forward 
with the, the idea that Andrew would pray for Linda. Before we even got there, Andrew had turned around and he walked over to me and he pointed to me and he said to me, you're not responsible. And at that moment in time, I thought, I am responsible. I am responsible. I have to get Linda healed. I was taking on myself a burden that wasn't mine. I got hold of more of Andrew's teaching and that put flesh on the bones of what I had already experienced. Trina had no idea that Andrew's teachings were preparing her for a battle ahead. While working as an electrician, her husband Alistair had a severe accident which rendered him completely unconscious. Unable to pray for himself and unable to believe for his own healing, this time he became his wife's responsibility. It was January. I had got dressed to go out. I was ready to go out and the phone rang around about lunchtime. And I just answered the phone and it was David who at that time worked with Al. And all David said was, Al has fallen off a roof. We're going to get him to a hospital. So I just said to God, right, okay, Al's fallen off a roof. What's going on? And God just said to me, he'll be all right. I wasn't prepared for what I saw. Al he had fallen approximately 35 feet from the top of the apex of a building he was working on and he'd fallen headfirst onto concrete. His head was so swollen and misshapen, he was almost unrecognisable. His eye was so swollen and purple and black, it looks as if someone had taken a tennis ball and put it underneath his eyelid. His fingers were twice their normal size, they were so swollen. His face was all bloated. Uh, I mean, he, he really did look horrific. I looked at him once and I couldn't look back at him. It was just horrible. In my head, I said to God, you said he'd be okay. And God very clearly said to me, and I haven't changed my mind. And then the doctor said, he's got three embolisms. It only took one to kill him, but he had three. And he said to me, we don't think he would survive surgery, and if he did, he would have mental disabilities, physical disabilities. And while he was speaking in my head, I saw a picture of Al sitting in a chair, kind of all strapped in and not able to move, not able to function or feed himself. And I knew in that instant I had to eradicate that thought, I had to eradicate that image, and I had to go back to seeing Al well. And I had to say out loud to the brain surgeon, you're a very clever man, I don't think you get more clever than brain surgeons, but God told me he will be all right, so I want you to do the surgery. That night, the surgeon came and said they were very pleased. Al had survived the surgery against all the odds, but I could see he was deteriorating. And I went and I said to the nurse, I don't want to be difficult. I know you've got a lot on your plate, but I'm insisting now that you get the surgeon back up. I want the doctor back. So the doctor came back in and he just took one look at Al and said, get him into the emergency unit again. We're losing him and I had to sign a form because they wanted to cut away the front part of his brain so they could access the embolism that was further back. And again, the doctor said, we have no idea what the contraindications will be. And again, I said, God said he will be all right. So you go in there and I promise you, this will be the best day's work you have ever done. And I said, God, I need, I need more than this. I need physical scripture in front of me. And he gave me Psalm 91. And I said to the, the few people that were with me in the room, here it is, I read it out loud. This is God's word to Al. This is God's word. And if you don't believe it, 
and you don't believe is going to make a full recovery, you can get out now. This is it, Sam 91. family room and the surgeon came to the door it was the middle of the night at about four in the morning and he just leaned against the door jam and he was still in all his his greens and he had the little mask hanging around his neck and he just leaned against it and he just smiled and I said to him best day's work you've ever done like, yep Alistair was only in the hospital for a total of three weeks his miraculous recovery shocked everyone in the neurological ward before returning to his job as an electrician, Al recalls one consultant in particular who shared his professional opinion. He said, someone up there likes you. And he wasn't pointing to the, he wasn't pointing to the next floor. He was pointing to heaven. And he said, someone likes you up there. You are a walking miracle. This is a consultant. You know, they're scientific. When the surgeon had said all these uh, contraindications that were going to be terrible for Al and I had that negative picture in my head God showed me that you got rid of that and you replaced it with a right thought Knowing her identity in Christ Trina sees favor in her career as a bridal accessories designer. Her work has been featured in several magazines and television shows throughout the UK. She uses her gift as a ministry and likes to listen to Andrew's teaching while she works. I had a prophecy a number of years ago. The prophecy was that as it is in the natural, so it shall be in the spirit. And in the natural, I get to dress a bride. And I believe now that in a spiritual element, I'm helping to dress the Bride of Christ by sharing what I've learned. We teach um, discipleship courses through the church. I'm getting to impart to other people the things that I've learned. In a tiny little way, I'm helping to dress the Bride of Christ. With the accident and with the teachings that Andrew has so graciously broadcasted has helped me immensely. And I'm a lot more bold to pray for people to be well, and I'm not only healed from blood clots, I'm also healed from allergies to cats and dogs. That's another miracle. <laughs> he is a walking miracle and he's, like I can't imagine life without my dad and I'm just so thankful that he made it through and that he's been here to share all these amazing memories with us, like watching me leave school and go to college and, and walking my sister down the aisle. Anyone who's listening to this, if you get nothing out of it, get this out of it. You are more than you know. And if you get God into it, bring God into it, you will reach that potential. And it is amazing. And it's for everyone. This is me back at where I had my accident 12 years ago. And I was working in the flat, which is up the stairs, just uh, in that larger part of the building there. I fell and I landed uh, on that piece of ground right there. Five times. They thought, he is not going to make it. And every time they said that, God said to me, he will be all right. The partners with the ministry, this side of heaven, they're never going to know how they've impacted other people's lives. And however small that support is, every single penny counts. 
I want to say thank you to all the partners of Andrew Womack because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if it wasn't for them. The medical profession has said to me, you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 40. Your knees are a mess. Your back's, there's not a lot we can do with it. Um, and that's just the way it is. Okay, so I carried on popping pills and believing what they said, going to church, people praying for me for, for some more. And in the end, to be perfectly honest, I started shying away from people praying for me. And I even stopped praying for myself because I thought, well, if this is God's will, why am I praying to God to stop it? I grew up um, as an only child. Uh, my parents were great. My dad, unfortunately, was an alcoholic. Um, so that led me to being very self-sufficient. So I kind of became a bit of a joker, a bit of a talker, a bit of a center of attention sort of dude, really. I became a bodybuilder. I was working out that kind of scene in the 80s with a nice bleached white Mohican and you know, kind of these big no-necked sort of dudes. And uh, I was a doorman at a nightclub and uh, worked in pubs and bars, basically dealing with, with door security. Uh, through doing that and through keeping myself in shape, I ended up getting a call from a friend who was um, uh, in a, a male review show. I ended up um, auditioning for a British version of, of, of the Chippendales um, called the London Knights. And before you knew it, I was off touring the world, stripping. Through that, I got into modeling and TV work, and um, uh, I went on to be a stunt man, uh, a stunt extra in the movie industry. And I met a guy who was a producer for Playboy TV. He offered me my, my own series on Playboy TV. So within just, just being from one place to this place to that place, and before you know it, a few months later, I'm shooting my own series on, on cable TV. So I was doing this show and we got commissioned to do a, a second series. It was well received uh, and I was going to get my hair cut. My hairdresser, who'd been a friend since I was uh, uh, 14, 15, um, her best friend was uh, a lady called Jacqueline. And I went to have my hair cut and there was this kind of cute, cute chick there, Jacqueline, and I was looking at her and thinking, mm, she's nice. Yeah, when I first met Richard, I was very attracted to him. I thought he was very gorgeous. Um, but at that time in my life, I was about a year into my walk with Jesus. So uh, I was at that point really trying to stay with what God wanted for my life. Got, got the haircut and we were just chatting and it just, just this little kind of spark went off. When you fall in love for real, you, you can't stop it. I literally had to wake up and give every day to God at that stage, which I was doing anyway, but, but I didn't want it to finish, but I, I kind of thought that it couldn't be right because of where he was at. I just couldn't stop thinking about it, and I just wanted to be with her all the time. And, I, and the thought of doing what I was doing prior just sickened me. I didn't want to do it anymore. So um, 
I called up Playboy TV and I said, look, um, I, I don't want to do it anymore. Bearing in mind we were about to film a new series. And they said, what? You, you can't just not do it. You're like the, the star of the show. I said, I, don't, I really, I just don't want to do it anymore. And they said, don't tell us you've gone and fallen in love. I hadn't said anything to them. They said, don't tell us you've gone and fallen in love. I said, yeah, I have. And they said, you'll be telling us you've become a Christian next. Can you believe that? <laughs> to feel that forgiven is to feel that loved. So there was obviously going to be the, the issue of, wow, I don't really want to know about what he's done and what he's been doing. My slate has been wiped clean. I, can't, I just trusted God. I gave every day to God. Uh, Jacqueline was doing this Alpha course and, and, and she would come back from this, this uh, you know, being with, with Christians and being, speaking about God and learning about the Bible. And she'd come back and she was just light on her feet and glowing and, and you know, just, just different, you know, something real special going on. Um, and on the, I think it's about the 10th week of this course, they have a day they call the Alpha Away Day or the Holy Spirit Day, they call it. I remember that day going to work, I'd said to Richard, you know, it's church, these people are fine. If you say I'm not having a good time, I'm not enjoying myself, you don't have to pretend, you can be honest. You can say, you know, I'm going, thanks very much, bye. And that was really what I expected him to do. And I was used to going in a room and kind of holding court and regaling them with stories of all the rich and famous people that I used to party with and, you know, just talk about me, basically, all the time. Have you guessed? <laughs> and uh, they were just chatting and I told them uh, about me very briefly and they said, how does that make you feel? No one had ever asked me how it made me feel. I was like, well, I don't know. I just, just do it, that's what I do, I've never really thought, I feel great, do I? And then these little questions, and we got to the end of the day and uh, they said, um, okay, uh, what we like to do is we like to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to come, and there was a girl there, Frances Dowd, her name is, and she got up and she played the guitar. The guy that was running the whole scene, he said, you know, some of us like to put our arms out and, and ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to come into our lives, you know, it's like receiving a gift. So I stood there and I put my hands out and I closed my eyes. I said, okay, God, I've had a good time. If you really exist, show me now. And uh, all I can say is if, if you truly want to see God, he won't let you down. And he will come to you in a way that's appropriate for you. The way God came to me was it felt as though he reached inside me, took hold of my insides and shook them to pieces. He just shook me and shook me and shook me and shook me. And it wasn't a weird thing, it wasn't a scary thing. It was, for me, I needed to be shaken. I needed to be shown that God was tangible and real. And I learned that day that the Bible is a true and factual historical account of the life of Jesus Christ who is our Lord and is our Saviour. And the truth is in that Bible. And the curate came along and he put his hand on me and he started speaking in tongues. And there were people all around me, there were people, I had my eyes closed, I had, I had tears rolling down my cheeks. And there were people falling off chairs, there were people laughing, there were people crying. But it, it wasn't weird and it wasn't scary, it was, it, was, it was fantastic. I didn't know he was gonna have 
a, a huge encounter with God. I, I, I don't say there was a change overnight, but it, it, it was pretty drastic. It was, you know, he, he did change. He, he said, I'm not doing certain things. He would say, I'm not doing that anymore. I've made a decision. This isn't happening anymore. That's not happening anymore. And so, you know, we, we, we got to a stage where we both had had sort of clean sweeps. And that was that. He asked me to marry him. We had a little girl in the year 2000, Erin. And it was sort of the early stages of his Christian walk when everything started to go wrong for him physically. I started going to a local Anglican church. I, I mentioned before that my dad was an alcoholic and I, I was kind of like the, the man of the family. And I got a call from my nan saying she hadn't been able to get hold of my dad and I drove around there and I could smell burning coming from my dad's flat. Um, and I was calling through the letterbox and he wasn't answering. So I kicked the door down and I went in and there was my dad lying out on the kitchen floor with a, a pan on the, on the stove that was just, you know, burning away. So I went in, I sorted that out. Now my dad is not a small man. He's a, he's a big, big, big guy. And uh, I was trying to get him up and he was just comatose on the floor. And in retrospect, I should have left him there. But I picked him up to put him on his bed and I popped my back, I just felt my back go, my lower back. I was like, wow. Uh, next day, I couldn't walk. It didn't go away. It got worse and it got worse. And there were things like um, he couldn't hold Erin for long. He couldn't lift Erin. Uh, we'd have like days out where we'd go so far, we'd get so far throughout the day and then he'd have to lie down wherever he was. He couldn't sit on chairs. Uh, driving could be uncomfortable. I was having to wear a body corset just to get about. Um, I had crutches with me in case my back just popped. So he was still going to work, still being a fantastic dad, a responsible person. Back was terrible. Went to see all the specialists, went to see the doctors. Spent a lot of money, a lot of time, having everything done that they could possibly do to my spine. Um, over a period of time, the, the vertebrae were just rubbing together. Um, when I had, had some MRI scans, they discovered that I actually had, um, I was told I had spina bifida. I had a deformed base to my spine anyway, so all my life I'd had this weakness. And bearing in mind, during all this time, I was going to church, going to Bible study groups, and having very, very, very well-meaning and kind and lovely people pray for me and saying, oh, Father God, Richard is a good man. Please heal him, Lord. Please heal him. He doesn't deserve this, Lord. Heal him, Lord. If it be your will, Father, heal him. Deep down, I kind of knew that it wasn't God's will, but that wasn't really what we were hearing. I never got healed. In fact, I got worse and worse and worse. I was taking diazepam daily, uh, cocodamol daily, Voltarol daily, and anything else I could get down my neck I was taking daily. I would drink a can of strong cider as well, just, just, to, just to, you know, numb the pain. And throughout it all, I still carried on. There was this idea that if you were sick, that it was God's will, that, that um, 
as Richard was saying, that he had such a huge personality and that, you know, this was what was keeping him tamed. The, uh, the medical profession had said to me, you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 40. Your knees are a mess. Your back's, there's not a lot we can do with it. Um, and that's just the way it is. Okay, so I carried on popping pills and believing what they said, going to church, people praying for me for some more. And in the end, to be perfectly honest, I started shying away from people praying for me. And I even stopped praying for myself because I thought, well, if this is God's will, why am I praying to God to stop it? Because obviously that's what it is. And, I, you know, that's how far gone I was in this kind of church doctrinal confusion about who our loving father is. So, <laughs> all this is going on and then I woke up and I had this mad heart situation going on. My heart was just pounding out of my chest and, uh, and then just stopping. And then pounding and so I couldn't breathe and uh, it, it, subsequently it turned out that I had a condition called atrial fibrillation. I remember getting there and seeing him wired up was awful. Uh, that, was, that was the first time. And it, it, anyway, this, this happened a few times and we didn't know what was happening. So now I'm on more medication. So I'm taking the medication for my back. I'm now I'm taking warfarin to thin my blood so I don't get a blood clot, which will kill me. That's just what they said. Out of those eight years, the six years was back and then the, the final two years was the heart as well and then the arthritis in my wrists came on. I, I did still trust God somewhere, I must have done, because it was that day that the God Channel popped up onto my telly. We didn't subscribe to the God Channel, the God Channel just arrived. Andrew was the, the, the first uh, person I saw. And there was this weird talking Texan preacher dude on there. I heard what he was saying and, and some scripture came up with what he was saying and he talked about that piece of scripture which I thought was awesome and I thought why don't we hear this kind of thing in church and why don't we have scripture and then speak about scripture why do we have what we think about that piece of scripture as our sermons she just got hooked and she listened and when I came out she said oh you've got to hear this this guy you know this is great so we started uh, listening to, to Andrew Womack on the, on the God Channel. And Andrew was talking about this same God that loved us and uh, talking about the authority that we had and that how we, you know, our healing was our healing and it was a gift for us and all this stuff that was just, just affirming and, and, and the truth. And, you know, the Bible says, know the truth and it will set you free. And we were being set free by this. We found out he was going to be at the hotel in London um, and we went. I went there expecting one thing and that was to be healed. And we listened to the praise and worship and Andrew came out and he said, um, he said, right, who's come here today to see God move? And everyone's going, yeah. He said, well, you're too late. He's already done it. 2,000 years ago. And we were like, uh-huh. And it was, it was just, I mean, I felt kind of kicked in the face, but, but, but drawn straight in. He's already done it. Everything he said was about healing and our authority and how we need to speak to our, our mountain and, you know, all this scripture that just, just poured out of him and, and spoke volumes to me. 
when Richard went running down to the front for his healing at the end of the meeting. Well, I just stood drop jaw because we'd not been to anything like this before. We'd, we'd, church wasn't like this. We, people didn't go up to get healing at church. And I got up there and he had quite like a line of people on the stage, like guys from the college and other people to pray for. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get Andrew to pray for me. I'm gonna get Andrew to pray for me. And I got, I was next in the queue. And then this other guy went, okay, over here. So, oh, okay. So it wasn't Andrew and I went over and it was, um, it was Charlie. Charlie LeBlanc. So I was like, oh, Charlie LeBlanc. And he said, okay, you know, what's, uh, what's the problem? What do you want to pray for? I said, well, there's quite a few things, really. He said, uh, well, you're not going to make the, the, the lights in heaven dim. Um, so I told him. And I said, well, I've got the atrial fibrillation. I've got the, the bad back. I've got the arthritis, you know, can you do it type thing, you know. And he said, well, you know, there's nothing too big for our God. And he just put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Father God, you know, we're standing here in agreement right now that you are Lord and we're going to bind up all this stuff. And he just rattled it off. And as he was doing it, I stood in agreement with him and I took on board that piece of scripture and it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst. And I knew at that moment and I took my healing, my healing that was for me personally, and I took it. And I went back and I sat down and I still had pain, I still had the swelling in, in my back, but in my heart, something had changed. My heart was right and I was a change, I knew in my heart, although the exterior physical feeling was there, inside I knew I was different. And my heart wasn't fluttering, because my heart was all the time. I had a little, little tablet that I'd have to take if it got too bad, you know, just to settle things down. I just had a peace. He came back and he was, that's it, I'm healed. And I said, well, you know, has your back stopped hurting? Because obviously it was hurting. He was sitting down for, I think it was probably an hour or more. I wasn't going to say, yeah, my back still really hurts actually, because the pain wasn't the truth. The pain was the distraction from the truth. The, the pain was something that was trying to lead me back down that path. You know, Satan just comes knocking. And he's like, no, that didn't work, that didn't work. But I just, he it, 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 it couldn't get through to me because I was healed. I took my healing, I took the word, and it was planted inside me in my heart, and I knew that I was healed. And the external stuff was just distraction. So I remember waking up and seeing him on his side, and then he didn't, kind of flip out onto the knees and stagger off and do all the stretches that he had to do. He kind of just got out of bed. I've just got up out of bed. Um, praise God. And that was it. There was no jumping up and down and everything. It was just, hey, just get on with my life now. And that's it. I took my healing and I received it and I was done. Did a test on my heart. Just fine. Nothing wrong with your heart. So I wasn't in a wheelchair by the time I was 40. Um, uh, also, something else the doctor said is quite likely that by the time I'm 42, I'll have to have a pacemaker fitted. Um, I don't have a pacemaker fitted. Um, I now live quite an active life. Um, I mountain bike. I'm in a cycle team called TFBs, the Tadworth Fat Boys. Um, and we go all around the place doing mountain biking. My, my wife and my daughter and I, we go sailing. Um, 
You know, I'm, I'm an active man. I can, I can get up and do things. I can, I can lift logs. I can lift machinery. I can do anything because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Because when you've lived your life sick for a long time, you limit yourself and in turn you kind of limit God. And Andrew's got a great series, Don't Limit God, because we're the ones that do it. We're the ones that limit him. And now I've got no limitations on my life, nothing at all. If I want to go and jump on my mountain bike and go crazy down a mountainside, screaming like a girl, no offence girls, but I will. Nothing's going to stop me, nothing, nothing at all, because I've been given this life. And I was in the shower the other day, and for the first time ever, I thought, wow, I'm looking forward. Now, my daughter's only 12, but I'm looking forward to being a granddad. I, I can see that life. I can see the future. I can see a future living a life with Jesus. I have a new life all because of that, because of that word, all because of that funny guy's voice, Andrew Womack coming on the God Channel and my wife being faithful and, and leading me to that and the word speaking to her and the word speaking to me and through his life and his spending his life studying the word and, and, and knowing God so well. It's through him that we have come to where we are today. There's nothing wrong with me at all. I'm completely healed. There's nothing wrong with me. What was wrong with me was my mind. And my mind was sick, because it, it, it was thinking the wrong things about God and about his word. And so I've been renewed in my mind through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is, that's the reality. That's real life. That's fantastic news. As directors of Caris Bible College in Walsall, England, Ken and Pat Chang saw miracles happen on a regular basis. Little did they know that when Pat started experiencing some abdominal pain, it would take everything found in the teachings of you've already got it and God wants you well to stand against the enemy's attack on her life. This is the healing journey of Pat Chang. I started to feel abdominal pain. So I, I spoke to the pain, I commanded it out of my body, and I thought, I'll have a hot drink, you know, perhaps that will just help me. So I had a hot drink. But as the evening progressed, the pain got stronger and stronger. My stomach, I could see that my stomach started um, just bloating up and getting bigger and bigger. I heard this groaning throughout the night, and I would just rest my hand and I just pray. We'd pray, it would go, I would talk, great, she'd start to sleep, and then seconds she would be up again. The pain got even worse. I felt as though my stomach wanted to, to burst. And I remember waking Ken up Saturday morning and saying to him, take me to the accident and emergency unit. I know I'm constipated, I just need them to give me an enema, and that will solve it. That morning, as soon as we get to accident and emergency, I heard a voice said, no operation. They said the scan shows that you have a bowel obstruction. Before we knew it, um, I had a tag on my hand. They had put a drip up and they had a, a bed for me. When I got back there, they have our and a drip, they have our tag, they have a bed. And they said to me, you can't go where we are taking her. 
And I thought, this is so fast. It almost seemed like my life was being taken over. It was like my life was being taken away from me. The surgeon said to me, um, okay, Pat, this is a situation. The both scans have shown us that you have a bowel obstruction. This is serious, he said, and we are literally going to cut you from just below your breastbone, right, right, right the way down, about a, about a 10 inch um, uh, cut and opening. A complete bowel obstruction often requires surgery to correct or remove the cause of the obstruction. During the surgery, a segment of damaged or strangulated intestine may also be removed. I said, well, there's got to be a, you know, that's plan A, operate, what's plan B? And they said, what you mean, do nothing? You know, that's the only other option, that we do nothing. I said, well, do you know what? I think I'll take that option. I said, let's take plan B. And I could see the team were like, sort of rolling their eyes and like, she, she doesn't understand what we're saying to her. If you go to your problem and say, cancer, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out of this body. I command every cancer cell to die. If you talk like that, then it means that you understand authority. I remembered, no, God wants me well. This is not from God. This is not from God. And she said, okay, have it your way. We're gonna, we're gonna let you eat and because this is what you want. So I, I just said, thank you. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. I would prefer to do that. And they left the cubicle. We already come into agreement that we know it won't be um, an operation. It would be complete restoration. Although the medical staff thought she was crazy, Pat stood on the truths found in God wants you well and put her faith into action. When the hospital recommended for safety that she have a light salad for lunch, Pat knew her healing would not be manifested by playing it safe. It was like the Holy Spirit saying, Pat, what's going on here? A cottage cheese salad? No way. You, you're healed. You know, you're healed. You eat. You have what you want. And I, I, I said, what else is on that menu? I said, is there any pudding? And she said, well, we have... Um, double chocolate chip sponge with custard. I said, I'll have that as well. And um, so I did, and they bought that for me, and I, 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 I ate the lot. We, we agreed. We then said at this point, right, we are speaking to these bowels, and we are gonna speak a creative miracle into these bowels. We are gonna command um, new, new, new intestines, new colon, whatever's needed. We just said, we want new right now. And bowels, we command you to move. We command you to be perfect. We command you to be whole. And we command you to be healed. All I could see that Pat would be well because that's what we agree, agreed on and that she would be well. And I was just wondering how quick would she get out? For the first time in a week, I had a bowel movement which was pretty amazing considering they could hear no movement at all in my bowel. My bowel, they said, was just not doing anything at all. Monday evening, um, I had another meal, you know, a, a proper full meal, and there was no sign of any sickness. There was no sign of any vomiting. There were none of the symptoms that they said would happen. Pat was released from the hospital with no signs of there ever being a bowel obstruction. 
Today, she and Ken share this message of healing from a place of experience, knowing that it was only made possible through getting Andrew's revelation of God's unconditional love and grace. I know the gift of God. I know the life that God has given to us through the teaching, Andrew's teaching, God wants you well. That has really been a, a root, that a seed that has taken root in, in, in my heart through, through being part of this ministry, through being privileged to have gone through the Bible college. Without this teaching, I don't know if I would still have a wife around, but because of this teaching that we receive here at Caris Bible College, our lives have been transformed. Our entire family have been transformed. Pat's story is one of many examples of the countless lives that have been transformed through the teachings made available by Andrew Womack Ministries. To our friends and partners, we say thank you. Because of you, the message of God's unconditional love and grace continues to be multiplied throughout the world.